Hello and welcome to the Get Italian Football News Podcast. My name is Tom Serb and today I'm joined by Editor-in-Chief Raphael Jukoben and football writer and Lazio fan Jeremy Mancini. How are we doing today? Good, good, good. Fantastic. Can't complain. Cool, cool. First, we're going to start off discussing Napoli's performance over the last week. So they had a shock loss against Asia Alkmaar, losing 1-0 uh, away. Jerry, what do you think went wrong in their performance? Well, I think that they just couldn't break down a defense that really sat back and had 10 sitting in the box. A lot of starters from Sunday played again in this game here. You saw guys like uh, Mertens, you have Ossiman, and then they played again on Sunday. So a lot of his starters, I believe five or six of his starters, played all three matches this week, and he's not rotating certain positions that maybe contributed to this factor. The fact that maybe that Napoli kind of like didn't take their, their opponents more serious than they should have. They've they proven that w- with a lot of starters out too, they had like 13 players out to COVID-19 and they still filled it a whole, uh, a whole roster and they did pretty well in my opinion. Now with Napoli having real social that coming up, uh, it's going to be a tough uh it might be a, t- a tough outcome, but I think that they could win this game. They have a lot of depth, a lot of uh, quality in, in their lineup, so I, I don't see why they can't bounce back. At the end of the day, they, they didn't approach it right, maybe, or the fact that they just weren't clinical enough in the, in the final third. Yeah, I mean, over the weekend, they were able to narrowly beat Benevento. It was a slightly better, better performance. We saw two goals from Insignia and Padania. However, they'll be facing Real Sociedad in the Europa League this Thursday. Should Napoli be worried about that game? Because Real Sociedad are doing so well this season. They are top of La Liga ahead of Real Madrid. Uh, Hetafe have been doing, really doing well as well. So what should, um, how should Napoli prepare for that game? Um, I think they'll be able to approach it sort of in the same way as they they approached the Atalanta game because in many ways Real Sociedad do play a very sort of expansive, very quick counter-attacking game that in the same way that in the same way that Atalanta, Atalanta play. So I think it won't, it won't necessarily be an easier game but it'll definitely be a different game because they won't be playing a team like Alkmaar or Benevento who will be looking to have a compact defence and sort of fend them off, it will be a much more open game. And I think that will benefit them in their, in their style of play. I think Atuza sets up the team in a way that really exploits the, um, the open spaces in attack. And because of that, they struggle against more compact defences. So I think even though it will be a tougher opponent, I think they'll be able to resort to a more familiar system uh, tactically, tactically wise. So it'll be, it'll be an interesting game either way because obviously it is the two sort of two favourites of the group and Real Sociedad are looking a very exciting team right now. I mean, they're, they're, they're being led by David Silva of all people. So, you know, they, they, are, they are looking a very interesting opponent. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, Real Sociedad have been playing great football lately and it should be a great matchup because both of them, you know, both of their attacks are very interesting, so it should be a very open-ended game. Right, uh, let's move on to Atalanta. So Atalanta bounced back midweek. They managed to beat um, Michelin 4-0. Who impressed you most in that game? Well, I didn't get to watch this game personally because I was watching the Inter game. But just looking at the score, I, I, I've heard like from just from feedback from, uh, from the match itself, I heard that Duvan Zapata really stood out... Um, Alejandro Gomez stood out really well, and, and Maranchik he scored a late uh, goal as well, and showing his uh, early uh, early stages of why Atalanta signed him. So I didn't get the opportunity to watch this game, but Michelin, is, I believe this is their first uh, Champions League, right? You, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I think it's a second or third. Yeah, they haven't really played recently in the Champions League. Yeah, so it's like a similar uh, situation to Atalanta where last year was their first time in the Champions League and I believe their first game they lost 4 nothing. similar scoreline here and I think that, that might be just an, a big experience for Michelin going forward and maybe the next time around won't be the same outcome but for Atalanta they do have a lot of firepower and considering that the, the weather conditions weren't 
great either, but overall they, they did what they had to to win the match. Um, like I said, I, I didn't really get to watch the whole match in, in general, but I did catch the, their, their weekend match though. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they've lost to Napoli uh, last week uh, 4-1 and they beat Michelin 4-0 and then they lost in Syria again against Sampdoria 3-1 at home. So that means they have conceded seven in their last two Serie A games and they've only scored two, very much unlike them. Why, Raphael, why do you think they can't continue their form in the league? You know, what's not, what's not working for them? I think it's, I mean, it's no secret that their, you know, their style of play does lead to having a very open, open defence. And, you know, it was always going to catch up to them eventually. I think as soon as the attack isn't firing on all cylinders, then... You know, you do need a you do need a solid solid defence to counter that, and that's really just not what they've got. But at the same time, you sort of you don't really want them to to strengthen in defence anyway, because that would be sort of sacrificing part of the, what makes them what makes them such an entertaining side, sort of the, the whole charm of the team. So I think what they did do well on them in midweek is that they got the job done early in the way they they. He scored three goals in the first half, put the game to bed as soon as possible, which yeah, obviously they couldn't really do against, couldn't really do against them, um, against that, against um, sorry, against Napoli. So it's it's it'll be it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see how how Gasparini changes sort of his approach, whether he will, you know, opt for sort of a more defensive. Um, a more defensive lineup in the in the weeks to come to sort of counter the fact that you know in attack they're not doing that well right now, or whether he'll just sort of soldier on with the same the same lineup. So Atalanta will be playing. I think Crotone next. They should win that game. So you know their free flowing attacking football should you know really benefit them and should give them the confidence you know to get going again. But for the next section I sort of want to talk a bit about Sao Solo because I think we haven't really discussed them yet and they've sort of gone under the radar however they haven't lost a single game this season they played uh, Torino uh, over the weekend uh, it was an immense last in, uh, 15 minutes actually they came back from 3-1 down what do you think makes Sao Solo tick this season I think there's just a big balance in this lineup Baradi does a really good job in the midfield, covering a lot of, of space. Caputo's really emerging into like that pure number nine that many didn't expect probably seasons uh, prior seasons, and now he's he's showing to be one of the best in, in the league. And then you got Jurcic, who can come off the bench, can start, and you got Locatelli as well in the midfield. There's a lot of uh, offensive attacking players in this lineup you got Raspadori who I believe is like what 17 or 18 years old and and is really flourishing under De Zerbi. there's just a lot of good pieces here now I feel that this is they're like a similar Atalanta where their defense is suspectable at times where they they give up these weak goals that they should be defending so I think that's that's what kind of like worries me a bit but in, in general, like they, they're just there's no quit in this team. When you think that they're out of, of the game down three one, like against Torino, they don't quit. They just keep attacking, and that's that's the, the style that they play. Is that Deserbi likes that attacking minded kind of football where you, you don't stop. Now, for this team to be one hundred percent complete and and able to to get to that next level, I I, I do believe that they need to fix up on their defense. They don't have those quality name players like other teams do have. But overall, this team has a lot to build on and, and can really be the next Atalanta, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, it, they, I'm not sure who they have up next, who they're supposed to play. But uh, they got Napoli, actually, Sunday. Uh, and that's going to be a very I, – I find that this game will, will really dictate how Sassuolo will, will move forward because now they're going to play one of the elite clubs. And considering that they've only played Spezia, Crotone, Bologna, and Torino to start the season, and they've done quite impressively well. that They haven't lost a the match. They're, they're unbeaten in four. And they're they're beating the, the teams that they're supposed to. Given that, 
I think Torino was a little unfortunate against the Swallow because in the last what five minutes, uh, it, it was a it was a back and forth kind of match that not many expected how it ended. You have Torino scoring two quick goals in succession, and then Sassuolo scored two quick goals right after. So aside from this match, and even against Bologna, they they had a very poor first half, and then they had a strong 30 minutes to finish the game and came back to win against Bologna. And the the, the problem with Sassuolo, I find that they're sporadic, where they haven't been able to put a whole... 90 minutes together but um but overall they if they can get that complete game where they're they're more consistent they they will be a team to to reckon with and and to to be careful with as well and i i don't believe they they opened the season actually against betsy i forgot who they actually opened up the season against but they i i do recall that they tied i believe two two i I don't remember who it was though yeah so they will be playing napoli next in syria and i think yeah like you mentioned, I think that will be their first big test this season. Uh, Raphael, do you think they will be able to cause an upset in that fixture? I mean, they've definitely got a chance. Um, I mean, even if I think it is a bit reductive to call them, you know, the new At- Atalanta, as a lot of, um, as as we've been seeing a lot, that, um, that sort of comparison, I think the Derby style of play will cause problems for um, for Napoli because you are essentially going to be seeing Napoli try and impose this sort of counter-attacking style of play again. But at the same time, I think they will be, there will, there will be problems caused by that front three of uh, Juricic, uh, Caputo and um, Berardi, who, uh, who have been just causing problems for teams all season, so far at least. So it's, going to be, it's definitely going to be the most exciting game of the, of the match day. I think that, that's, that's the one game if I had to pick out uh, for, for next next weekend that I, that I would miss personally. Yeah, and uh, definitely, and as Jerry mentioned, their defence uh, is not the strongest in the league. So it'll be interesting how, you know, they will match up against Ostimane and, and so on. Now, over in Florence, Fiorentina were able to get a 3-2 win over Udinese. It is their first win since the first game of the season. They were... Over the last few weeks, we've been saying how much they were struggling. Even though they've, they've got a relatively good squad on paper, they weren't able to get any wins. Uh, what do you think they did better this time to get the win, Jerry? With Fiorentina, I, I think this whole team, like they were very fortunate to win yesterday. Um, they do have a lot of good pieces. You got Castrovilli in, in the midfield. You have... Um, their defense is, to me, is susceptible. I, I don't know how Kasser is still has a starting job. Watching this game, I watched it this morning. He, he was accountable for, I believe, their their first goal. And he, I, I just don't like the way he defends. I, I feel that he is a liability in the back end. But um, overall, I, I think that Undineze was very unfortunate that they didn't equalize this match because – they were very relentless in the, in the last, I would say, 80, 70 minutes of the match. The first half hour, Fiorentina really, really stormed on and really attacked them. And then as the game progressed, I felt that it kind of shifted into their hand and they were really controlling possession of, of the game where Okaka, I, I love Okaka when he doesn't fall on the floor. And, and in this match here, he did a good job not falling really positioning himself in the goal area. And, and he won twice. He, he, he won possession. He won positioning and, and he scored. And near the end, they were very unfortunate that they didn't score a third one. Pereira coming back from joining from Watford along with, um, they have, um, if I pronounce his name right, Gerard Delafoe. He, he came off the bench and really made an impact. So there's a lot of good pieces here, but with, with, Fiorentina, I, I'm not a fan of like Cutrone. I, 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 he doesn't really inspire me. He doesn't really offer much up front. And considering that he's still young, what, 22 years old, um, it's just something that I would have thought he would have established and emerged more of a more complete striker. But I think that there's still a, a, a lot for him to develop. Um, Ribery still hasn't come back from injury. So that's been a big loss. 
And I, as well, we saw that uh, who, um, Kalihan. I, I didn't even notice uh, Jose Kalihan was in, in, in the starting 11. Like, he really didn't appear much. And I'd love to hear you guys take on Amarvat because he doesn't seem like the same player that he was last year under uh, Hellas Verona. And, and maybe Jericic has a lot to do with that, that he really made him become that, that midfielder, that strong midfielder that he flourished under his system. And maybe it's not working out so far in Fidentina because I feel that there's a lot of ball challenges that he, he loses and losing possession. And he just doesn't seem like that complete player that I saw last year. Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, he's he's not really settled in well, for at least from from the game so far. I mean, there were a few flashes in um, in the in their last game that showed that he might be showing a few signs that he's settling in. But I think so far, it's, he's definitely he's definitely nowhere near the player that he was at Hellas. It's really quite. I don't know. Not to make of the win, it just seems a bit. You know, questions still remain. But do you guys think, uh, Joe, you first, do you think this is just a one-off win or do you, for Fiorentina or do you think they will slowly start rising up the table? I don't think they're going to rise up the table. I think there's just too many teams better than them. Um, you got Juventus, who a lot of people are going to say, well, they're not good this year. Well, the season just started. They they just got new players in, a new manager. Um their, their players arrived late. Just so many things that are happening right now in a, in a really tense schedule. And I think as the season progresses, they're going to get better. Milan have gotten better. Napoli have gotten better. Uh, Lazio have added players. Um, Roma, I thought they were going to be worse. They, they're proving me wrong and so far have looked much better than what I expected. So there's just so many teams. Atalanta is much better than them. Even I feel Sassuolo is much better than Fiorentina in, in, in many aspects. So... Fiorentina will will be better this year. I just don't think they're going to fight for a top seven spot. That I, they just I don't like the quality of what they have in in their lineup. Uh, a Kwame who who Christian Kwame who can't really finish if his life depended on it. No offense, but like uh, I, I, Eric Pulgar, like he's okay, but he's on and off. Cutrone, uh, like I don't I I think these guys are they're they're okay but they don't give you that extra edge to to really get it all now when Ribery is in the lineup I feel like this team is is day and night they're they're a much different kind of squad when you see Ribery in the lineup but the problem is 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 if he's able to stay healthy for most of the season and that's been the struggle with him yeah no I agree I mean you can it's clear that it is it's still it is a shaky squad it's a shaky team because their record with with defending leads this just this season alone has been awful. Um, it they very nearly could have conceded the draw at the at the weekend. We saw it against Spezia. No, definitely, it's. I think they were maybe a bit overhyped at the start of the season because of just this on paper what the team looked like. But I think in the end, the you know the limiting factor is going to be it is it is Beppe Yakini. Um, his style of management doesn't really can't really get the best out of any of, of, the, of this the, the squad of players really um, I think Gastrovilli is the only one who's really shining in an attacking sense so far this season um, but in a way he is saving his job but yeah I can't see Fiorentina going rising up the table at least under under Iacchini and it's a shame because uh, I think the, it was today. The owner Rocco Camiso he said that they wouldn't they wouldn't be sacking him unless the other teams below them in the table sacked their managers. So clearly, clearly they're standing by Yakini. So I think it's going to be a season of season of this really for, for Fiorentina. Yeah, and it's such a shame to see this happen because I feel Fiorentina have such a interesting squad on paper that you saw want them to do well. However, when you look at the table and all the teams that are above them and doing so much better, you do not see much hope. Slightly further up, another team that has been actually struggling in a way recently is Juventus. They got another 1-1 draw in the league over the weekend, this time against Parma. 
They did seem off the pace. However, Kulusevski did score against his former club. Uh, Ronaldo hasn't featured in the last two uh, games domestically. Do you think that this is sort of showing that the club is over-reliant on Ronaldo? Oh, absolutely. Uh, without Ronaldo, it's like day and night. Now, in defense, like I was saying earlier, there are a lot of new players that, who have jo- joined the, the club. You got Arthur, uh, you got Morata who, who came back. Uh, Demerol finally came back from injury and missed half the season last year. Uh, Weston McKenney who, who joined from uh, Schalke. So there are a lot of like new pieces and you got a lot of young players too. Frabotta, uh, Partanova, so, and then you got Kulusevski, who, who just joined in, in Chiesa. So, it's it's a big jumble mix where you're, you're putting nine players into a new squad and, like, no one has any familiarity with each other. So, I, I think in due time, once they get used to each other and he has his, his roster fully healthy, that's another thing is that Dybala was injured. He just came back from an injury. Um Chiellini just got hurt. Bonucci got hurt yesterday. Uh, Matthias Delit has been hurt. And also consider the fact that they haven't lost a game yet this season. I think a lot of people forget that too, that they're, they're, they're making it bigger than what it is that I, I, Juventus hasn't lost. So in, in defense, it's not all that bad. But when you have such a big overhaul in your lineup, and the fact that you've been always dependent on Ronaldo for the last, what, two or three years he's been with the club, it, it just, it's not a good sign. A team like Juventus shouldn't have to be Ronaldo-reliant. And prior to when Ronaldo joined the club, this was a different type of team. And I, and I feel like they were much more effective without Ronaldo where they had a plan in place. They had a strategy where every player knew its position, every player knew their role, and it was all 11 players that all contributed to make this team so successful. Now, Ronaldo has made them better in Champions League. I will give him that. But not better enough to, to win the Champions League. And that's why he was there in the first place, to join and win them a, a Champions League, which is not easy. And it's not his fault because he's done his part. But this team is too reliant on on Ronaldo. And, and then the same part, I think that they've waited too long to start adding young players. This is a team that has really aged in their squad. And there's a lot of old players that they finally got rid of in the summer. But at the same time, when you like I said, when you have an overhaul, it's not easy to, to, to think that you're going to have results immediately. So you had Chiesa, who, who joined very late from the transfer market. Um, you have... Like I said, Arthur and and uh, Kuluveski that who just joined this past uh, who came in the in the I believe uh, no Arthur came in the summer, Kuluveski came in the in the winter, but Morata came late too. So there's just a lot of w- working pieces. But as time progresses, I think that people are going to see the Juventus that many had expected in the beginning. Yeah, and we are so accustomed to seeing Juventus win that you know it's sometimes comes as a surprise when they don't win and they only draw. You did mention that the squad had a big overhaul. However, a lot of people have been criticizing, have already started criticizing Pirlo's for, you know, maybe that he's not uh, experienced enough. But you did mention that the, the squad did go through a lot of changes over the summer pe- uh, period. Raphael, do you think Pirlo's inexperience is starting to show or the whole, the idea of Juventus not doing as well as we are used to is to do with the big changes in the squad. I wouldn't pin the bank too much on Pirlo. I think um, I, I would give him the benefit of the doubt for the time being because you know the, there's just so many factors that come into play. You know the fact that there are so many key players missing: Chiellini, De Ligt, Ronaldo, um, and just the fact that the club has gone through a, one a massive overhaul. Um, what I would question is actually the decision, the club's decision to have a big overhaul at this time, when they they've got they've, they've got you know only a couple, let's say a couple more years left of Ronaldo in his prime. You have to you have to wonder was it was this the right time to make such a big change in the squad and in the direction of the club? Was it was it you know trust trusting Ronaldo's final years at the club with 
under Pirlo and under a, you know a massive revamp of the squad, was it really the wisest um, the wisest choice, especially when you look at their ambitions to win the Champions League? So I definitely think that they will they will settle into the season uh, as time goes on. I think Pirlo will find his his mark. Uh, I'm not sure. It, I'm not sure he'll stick to his um, his free at the back formation that he has been sort of implementing. I, I saw him. Um, I think Del Piero said, suggested actually that they use a four-two-four formation against Barcelona, where you've actually got Kulusevski and Chiesa on the wings, and then in the middle you've got two strikers in um, in Morata and Dybala, or eventually Ronaldo when he does come back. So that could be an interesting uh, an interesting prospect. Yeah, I think overall the, the alarm bell shouldn't be ringing just yet. I think long-term, I am a bit sceptical about the whole project, but I don't think we can draw any conclusions yet from, from the start of the season. I think this it's pretty normal for a manager, for, for a complete beginner in terms of some managerial experience to have a bit of a rocky start, but I think he'll, he'll, sort of, he'll, he'll settle into it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that rocky in the first place. Like Joe said, they haven't lost a single game. But it's interesting that they are trying to increase the number of young players in the team, yet they have Cristiano Ronaldo there, who is one of the actually the oldest players in the squad, and they are still sort of reliant on him for goals, yet they shouldn't be. They will be uh, welcoming Barcelona midweek, which is going to be, I think, the, the big game of this week's uh, Champions League. What what do you guys expect from that game? Um, personally, I, I it's it's going to be tough. They're going to have a lot of key players, maybe out. No Ronaldo against Barcelona. In my opinion, I think that Barcelona should take this win. Uh, Bonucci, who knows if he'll be ready to play. Uh, Chiellini, we don't, he's not healthy. Uh, you got Matthias Delit, who's out. So it's going to be a very weak back end. Uh, Chiesa will return to the lineup, so that's, there's a boost. Um, Morata will, will be starting up front, so that's, that's going to help. But there's a lot of uh, missing pieces for, for Juventus, and this will be a difficult task. And I guess a, kind of, a game like this will really test and see what Pirlo can do with what he has available. With uh, Barcelona, I haven't been able to watch them as much. I, I know that they lost over the weekend against Real Madrid. They're a squad similar to Juventus where a lot of their players departed. They, they sold a lot of players. They brought a few players in. And under their new manager, Coleman, it, it, it's a work in progress as well. So they're in a similar situation where this may not be as easy as, as they think it may be. So two, two clubs going in the same direction, but... Um, it's going to be, a, I find, like like a 2-1 game. It'll be a close game. I agree. I think I think both clubs are in a bit... Uh, I mean, crisis is a big word to use in this situation, but Barcelona are not doing... are obviously not doing very well in the league, and they've got a bit of a... There's Kuhlman is struggling to find the right lineup, playing or finding the right combination of forwards from what I saw in the Clásico. Uh, which in a way could benefit Juventus because they have got some they have got some def, um, some absences in the back, so a weakened or at least a Barcelona attack that's not firing on all cylinders will benefit them. Uh, but yeah, it will be an, it will be the test of Pirlo's game management really because there there's just there's the squads have changed so much that there's a lot of factors that we don't know yet uh, which will become clear as the game as the game goes on so I've, I honestly I think it, it could it probably end up in a draw because Barcelona don't have the tools yet really at their disposal to to take apart Juventus however however unorganised they may seem right now the Juventus Barcelona should be a, definitely an interesting game I think it will be much more cagey than people hope. But staying with the Champions League, Inter Milan played uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach as a 2-2 draw. What did you make of the result? Were you slightly surprised by it? Considering how they started off last year, it's a similar uh, similar road and 
they tied again their first match, and this is a disappointing loss because I felt that Inter really controlled the bulk of the game. They 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 held the advantage in possession. I thought they had the better chances, but again, they they didn't finish their chances when it struck for them. So they again they need to be more clinical. I think that not having Akimi into the lineup really did hurt them. Their saving grace continues to be Rom- Romelu Lukaku. This guy has been one of the best additions, not only just for Serie A, but for Inter. He has really replaced that scoring that Mario Icardi was really offering them before he arrived. And I, I, it's really nice to see that they're able to find that that replica kind of player where Antonio Conte has always wanted him. He wanted him with uh, Chelsea, and now he finally got him with Inter, and he's really proving to be that stalwart kind of player that many many teams would would love to have. Um, overall, I, I thought the performance was a a good performance from Inter. I don't think they were bad. Munch um, and Godblatch, they got some good players as well. Turam, play. Um, they they have the, the pieces where they can really make it difficult for you. But in terms of Inter, COVID-19 hasn't made things easy for them along with injuries. And, and so uh, if they were, if they had a full healthy squad, I think the outcome would have been much different, but regardless, they, they should have won this game. They were fortunate to come back late and, and equalize it. Um, they salvaged a point more, but now you got to go play Shakhtar. Uh, they came off an impressive win against Real Madrid. And, and for Inter, they just need to come focused and ready. And coming off a win against Genoa this, this past weekend really could boost their confidence and, and give them that jolt, that motivation that they really need. So I, I say that Inter needs to keep their guard up, not take their opponent very lightly, and understand that they, they really were – Difficult against Madrid for a good 45 minutes and Madrid came came back way too late and weren't able to salvage a point. But with Inter, I think that they really, this is a must win. They really need to win this game. Um, I, Vidal looked pretty decent, but again, a stupid challenge in, in, in the goal area, which resulted in a penalty that could have been avoided. Um, Vidal's good and bad. There, There's moments where he makes these brilliant challenges and then there's those bonehead errors that he does against, like like you saw in, in the goal area. And his tackling sometimes can just be a little too reckless where he overcommits and he can really put it, a player in, into a serious injury. So I think he did something similar against Milan as well in the derby. So overall, I would assume that Lukaku will start up front with, um, with Martinez, um, Christian Eriksen probably will control the midfield with Barella and Vidal, but knowing Conte, you never know what he's going to put out. For all I know, he might just put Kolarov in just for the sake of putting him in, but Conte's uh, lineups, well, whoever he puts out will really determine how this game will, will play out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, they'll be playing Shakhtar midweek. Shakhtar is interesting, so they humiliated Real Madrid in the first half, like scoring in this space of 45 minutes they did not have Sergio Ramos who they really rely on so maybe that played a part why Real Madrid uh, struggled against Shakhtar however when we look at Shakhtar as well at the moment they are behind Dynamo Kiev and Vorskva sitting third in the Ukrainian league and they actually drew against uh, Vorskva who were playing with 10 men on Saturday However, Rafael, how do you think they will uh, fare against Shakhtar? Do you think that Inter Milan will underestimate them? Or do you think that they will prepare for this game knowing, fully acknowledging that they beat Real Madrid? I think they should keep their guard up, that's for sure. I think it seems to be a bit of a, bit of a trend recently, actually, that teams that have been decimated by sort of positive cases of, of COVID-19 are just getting results out of the bag, out of nowhere. We saw that with Alkmaar against Napoli. Now we saw that against Shakhtar, with, with Shakhtar against um, Real Madrid. So they'll definitely, they'll have to have their guard up. Um, I think if any, if the um, the Munchen-Gladbach game showed that they are quite Lukaku-dependent, but 
at the same time, that's not really a bad thing either because he is the leader of the attack anyway. And he is expected to take on that responsibility. I think just the, the, the team around him does need to, does need to step up. Um, I mean, they were essentially, they were caught out on the counter. Um, I mean, the second goal, um, the second goal they conceded was off a brilliant pass from, from Florian Neuhaus to, um, to, uh, to Hoffman. So, I mean, they just, they'll just have to have their guard up in terms of not conceding on the break as well, it's just as they did against, um, against, uh, against Munchen Gladbach. And, but I, th- I think they won't, they won't fall into the same trap as Real Madrid did. I think they've got, they've got the, they have, they have been committing defensive errors this season, but I think they do have the nous, or Conte has a tactical nous at least to, to sort of get to counter that, that, that style of play. And for me, it should be, it's not a comfortable win, but they should be getting through that. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, a lot of people were kind of surprised both by the Shakhtar Real Madrid result and the Inter Milan München Gladbach result. So that group could be very interesting. However, in Rome, Lazio, I think, surprised a lot of people. They beat Dortmund uh, 3-1, which a lot of people said that just came out of nowhere because they lost against Sampdoria on the weekend. Immobile scored against Dortmund, and over the past weekend, they also scored. A, he also scored against Bologna. Jerry, how important is Immobile for Lazio? Do you think they are over reliant on him? I think that he is the difference maker for this team. Immobile is coming from Dortmund, and people calling him like the the, the failed player that never worked out, like and was written off, and then he went to Sevilla, and 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 didn't. He was okay, but didn't end well there either, but then he joins Lazio and he becomes this, this number one, number nine, like best striker in Europe. And I think that he really flourishes under Simone Inzaghi in that three, five, two. And when he's not in the lineup, they, they look like a team that is missing somebody and they have lost half of their confidence, which is not good because with the amount of players that they bought this summer with, uh, you got Pereira who, who joined, uh, Fares, who just joined Escalante. You got Vedat Mariki, who just joined. There's a lot of quality players that are with Lazio, and they can't always be so reliant on their star striker. And I'm hoping that with the price tag of how much they, they bought Vedat Marici for, he proves to be that guy in the lineup who can, who can really push his team forward and replace that athleticism, that, that spark that Immobile provides in the lineup. And when he's not in and Morici comes in, it, it, it's like a vice versa where this can really work really well for this club. But in, in general, I, I just think that they're just too reliant in Immobile and if they need to learn to win games without him. And I don't think they have a great record, like a good success record without him in the lineup. But overall, it's um, it, now that he's not, now that he's returned, I think that they have a good chance of winning on Wednesday against Club Bruges. So the game against Club Bruges will be coming up midweek. So with Zenit in their group as well, who lost against Club uh, Bruges last week, do you think that Club Bruges could pose uh, a challenge for Lazio, or do you think it's going to be uh, an easy win? Uh, I think it'll be not an easy win, but a win that they'll, they'll have to come prepared. Now, I'm not sure if Sergei Milinkovic-Savic will be in the lineup. He got injured against Dortmund. He didn't play against um, uh, against uh, Bologna. And he did get some familiar players back. Like I said, Lazzari came back from injury. He he appeared on Saturday in place of, uh, of Matisic. Uh, Escalante came off the bench, just came back from injury, replaced Lucas Leva, where each player... I'm not sure if, if Marisic and Leva are hurt, but they gave 30 minutes. They're not fully fit. So credit to Nzagi where he's really managing the five substitutions and using some strategy, some tactic around it where he knows that his players are not 100%. But if he's able to get minutes out of them for half an hour, he'll, he'll manage it uh, sufficiently. So... I do expect Lazio to either tie or win this Wednesday against Club Bruges, but again, I don't. I'm not familiar with the 
with the Belgium league, but based on the stats, they are currently in second place and they just came off a loss this past weekend against Leuven. But before that, they were unbeaten, I believe, in four or five straight matches. So there, there seems like there's a, there's a lot of quality in this team where they have the ability to score. They have two players who have already reached five goals and a third player who has three goals. So there's a lot of balance in the scoring compared to what Lazio has. So you, you don't want to over overmine like what they can offer. So and in going to Belgium as well, I wonder how that's going to work out for Lazio traveling. They haven't, I don't, I don't know if they've ever been to Club Bruges to play them before. I don't know the history between the two clubs. I haven't looked at that yet. But in regards, if Sergei Malinkovic-Savic doesn't start, the depth of the squad will be tested once again to, against, I would say, a very strong side and, and, and a team that Lazio should not put their guard down and, and should take them really seriously because this is an opponent that just beat um, Zenit. And Zenit, I would say, was probably the top two behind Dortmund because they were they were taken in the first pool when the when the group stages were were being picked and I would have, would have thought that Zenit and Dortmund probably people most people had pegged as winning this advancing but this is a big a big must win for both sides as they want to take advantage as two of the best clubs just lost last week yeah I think that group could potentially go down to the wire because if Bruges continue to do well and you know the result goes in their favour, then that game could potentially have three teams uh, vying for those uh, round 16 places. Back to Italy, we haven't really actually mentioned or talked about them extensively, Sampdoria. However, in the last three weeks, they have convincingly beaten Fiorentina, Lazio and Atalanta. Raphael, what do you think is the key to their success? I think it is Ranieri building a squad that's sort of aware of its limitations. Um, they are they are quick on the counter, and I think that's you know they've identified that that is their main their main strength. And I think things are falling into place for them, which is and they've been. I mean, there's there's a few factors across the team that made made it so that. Things that yeah, things are falling into place uh, just perfectly. I mean, Qualiarella is just scoring at an insane rate for for his age. Um, I mean, you've also got um, Algello, who's got a very very good left foot. Um, he's he's been he's been impressive in these past few games as well. And just just a sort of general defensive solidity about them, which we don't, we hadn't seen that much before so yeah i mean uh, it's it remains it remains to be seen whether it is just the purple patch for uh, for sampdoria or if, or if they will sort of kick on from this but it's definitely an impressive an impressive run of form i think it, the sides that they have played or have sort of been they've caught them in a, in a bad run of form anyway something that has contributed a bit but you know, yeah, take take nothing away from Sampdoria. They've they've been they've been very impressive. So will they? You know, will they? Will it lead to a bit more than a, a bit more than a mid-table finish or Europe? I'm not too sure. But I think what's what's for sure is that they won't they won't be you know skimming about the relegation zone as they did last year. Yeah, they were like definitely in the relegation fight last season. Cagliarella's uh, career is definitely experiencing also a renaissance. Ranieri has got the team ticking in the last few games. Do you think like Jerry, the tinker man, can defy expectation and help Sampdoria pursue European ambitions? Or do you think it's just like Raphael said, too early to call? No, I think he's right. I think that this is a team that... I think that the big difference between this Sampdoria under Ranieri is that they're playing good defence. So they don't have that that star power in their lineup, but guys like Pariella, we have uh, Akandreva. Um, these are kind of players that, like even um, Akita Balde, these are players that they didn't have last year. I, I know that they have 
Pariella, but they didn't have Kitabade, they didn't have uh, Akandreva, and those two type of players can really provide some good experience in, in your starting lineup off the bench. Um, Ranieri playing, uh, sorry, managing this team in, in his first full season, and he really helped save their their from going relegation last year. So th- there's a lot of good pieces. Uh, I think Gaston Ramirez is a good player, but the only problem with him is that he's just a little too reckless, in my opinion. And if he can take that part of his game out, and he has a lot to offer. This is a really good player. Jankto, Jankto is, is a very good midfielder. Um, you got Damsgaard who out of nowhere is showing really good, brilliant signs of, of flashes of potential. And, and, and he's really fitting really well so far. And, and I really like Tonelli in, in the back end. I think that he, he has a good vision. He's very clinical. He's very decisive in his challenges. Um, he gives that good physicality in the back end that, that they probably have been lacking. And Ojello has been really good as well. So there are a lot of, um, a lot of good pieces here that is starting to click together. And I think the most important thing is that they got a manager finally that can really take this team maybe to the next level and no longer become just fighting for relegation, but become more of a mid table to a Europa league spot soon. Um, I thought one guy who really stood out to me the most on Saturday was Ekdal. I thought Ekdal had a really, really good, I, I like his presence in the midfield. I love the way he can win the ball, gain possession. He's he's very uh, smart, covers his space really well. I think he was the one guy that really stood out to me the most. And 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 with Atalanta losing, I I personally think that Atalanta is, is is much more overrated than a lot of people think they are. That's just me. This is a team that when they score, they score at will. And when they don't score, they don't score. So when people say, oh, they're the highest scoring team in the league, personally, I think a lot of that contributes to the fact that they score seven goals a game, but they don't score in, in, in a consistent flow in order to beat teams. They they couldn't score against uh, against Napoli. They couldn't score against Sampdoria. Um, I think their win midweek against Mitchgard, um was a little – overhyped that they played a team that had very little experience in the competition and they're just not as good as Atlanta. Now, when you're playing Ajax on Wednesday, give me a call and let me know how that game turns out. Cause it will not be a four nothing outcome. Like I, I do believe that there are a lot of good pieces in Atlanta, but I also think that they're going to take a step back. Their defense didn't get better. It got much worse. Uh, a guy like Christian Romero is not, going to make your defense better it's going to make it worse so i i i just they're they're playing a lot of young players that weren't there like mojica i think lammers is going to be a good player but still needs time to develop i'm, I'm not a big fan of dipali so there, there's, there's there's a lot of question marks i feel and the depth of the squad if a guy like duvan zapata goes down yeah you got moriel but moriel has proven not to stay healthy either and I just think that they're so reliant on, on, on Papu that if Papu goes down, those are three pieces that it's hard to fill. But that's just the way I view it. But in, in regards to Sampdoria, I think this is a team that, that has something going and is starting to develop into the right direction. Yeah, and like you mentioned, I think we've been discussing over the last few weeks as well that your thoughts uh, regarding Atalanta, how they do not really have a plan B. So they're go into games thinking that they're going to be able to outscore the opposition. However, when it doesn't work, they suddenly concede and their defence really hasn't really improved over the last few seasons, even though their attack has. So I feel, I agree with you, I think they need to find a bit of balance in their squad. For the final part of the show, guys, for the upcoming week or the next weekend, what games do you recommend listeners to watch? I would say just purely for the entertainment factor, Napoli against Sassuolo. I think that's really the headline fixture in terms of two two teams that play attacking football, or at least dynamic football, um, who are really going to go at it. And I, I'm expecting a high-scoring game. And I think in terms of the other games, I would pick out the the Genoa derby actually on uh, on Sunday evening. 
which which could be an interesting one. Seeing as see if um, if Sampdoria can carry on their their good run of form. Um, I'm going to go with Napoli Sassuolo. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. A lot of attacking is going to happen. I'm just disappointed that Roma and Fiorentina play at the same time because I think that game could be a little exciting as well. I would rather watch Napoli Sassuolo because I can care less about Roma being a Lazio fan. <laughs> but um, I, I do agree with the derby, Sampdoria versus Genoa. And I, and I feel that Sampdoria is going to really make it difficult for Genoa. I can't see them not losing this game. I think they have a strategy. They have a plan. Genoa is in a direction that doesn't look good at the moment. Um, just a lot of players just just adding it. I, I, just adding to that team where I don't know if there's an actual identity there. So that that game will, will be a high-scoring affair, I, I, I feel. And in regards to all you can go for a Saturday game, I think the Inter Milan versus Parma game – Seems a little intriguing. I, I like to see how Inter will respond after their midweek game. And Parma really needs a win because if they lose, it, it can really be uh, it can really get much worse than what it is already. I don't think they've have they won a game this season, guys. Um, yeah, they have. They've won one game, yeah, but yeah. they're near the bottom of the table, and, and it's not looking healthy. And I, actually. Even with Torino, Torino versus Lazio is uh, a very interesting match because Torino hasn't won a match yet. And if they lose to Lazio, it, it seems like we're going to the same situation for Giampaolo like last year where it's not starting off really well for him. And I think that after seven games, Milan fired him. And I wonder if, if the same's going to happen this season where after six, seven games, do they decide to fire him or do they do they stick with him? Um we all know that this is a results-driven kind of game, so it'll be interesting to see how that thing, how that works out. But I, I don't personally don't think so. I think, with given with the COVID nineteen and the situation, everything's been going in, going through, and and just the, the the circumstances, I think that he may give a little bit more leeway with Torino, given through the stretch here. Yeah, I think there's there's certainly lots of games to look forward to. Despite, I think this is the first week when the so-called top seven, if you want to call them, or the seven teams that are in Europe are not actually facing each other yet. All those, like like you guys mentioned, I feel like Napoli, Salzburg, and Genoa uh, versus Sampdoria can both be just you know exciting games, high scoring as well. Right, that concludes this episode. Uh, if you have any questions you guys want us to discuss on the show please message us on Twitter at underscore G-I-F-N. But it is bye for now. I hope you enjoyed it and we hope to see you next time. Thanks, guys.